Are you ready for the quantum age? Humanity's next step in evolution? Dream Vision 7 Radio Network invites you to the extraordinary platform of evolutionary voices for the quantum age. Let's explore. Learn more about this upcoming age where we bridge science with spirituality. Where potentiality meets reality. Where we take compassion into action. Our trailblazers and visionaries will ask the whys, the what ifs, while igniting continuous possibility. Come along with us into an age beyond what we know today, where we can grow together in unity consciousness. Experience evolutionary voices for the quantum age, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on DreamVision7Radio.com. Welcome to Awakening to True Happiness with modern-day mystic David Hoffmeister, offering you the how-to to spiritual awakening by addressing on a practical level answers to your deepest questions. David Hoffmeister is a world-renowned teacher of A Course in Miracles and has been traveling the world for the past quarter of a century, offering his wisdom to audiences wherever invited. On this show, you'll hear recordings of David's best live talks, inviting you into an experience of deep wisdom and true clarity. To learn more about David, visit his website at davidhoffmeister.com. Awakening to True Happiness with David Hoffmeister is part of Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age. Heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 Radio Network. Hi, everyone. Welcome again. We're going to have a beautiful, beautiful deep dive today. Yeah, I know. For a lot of you uh, who have used the pathway of A Course in Miracles, uh, uh, you, you remember that prayer that Jesus offers pretty early on in the beginning of the, the second chapter of his text, where he says, I am, I am here only to be truly helpful. I am here to represent him who sent me. I do not have to worry about what to say or what to do, for he who, who sent me will direct me, and I'm content to be wherever he wishes, knowing he goes there with me, and I will heal as I let him teach me to heal. So whenever Jesus puts the words in a prayer truly helpful, that's kind of an interesting open open-ended prayer, like to go deeply into what is truly helpful. And uh, that just means we have to unlearn a lot of, of our beliefs and thoughts, which have told us what the ego believes is truly helpful, and let it be replaced by the Holy Spirit, who actually knows what is truly helpful in any moment. I know a lot of you on the spiritual journey, sometimes you have the thought like, oh, I, I kind of wish I got into this sooner, or I wish I wish I was uh, further along, or I wish I could be in a deeper space, in a deeper state of mind uh, than I seem to be. And, and what that really is a prayer is a prayer to learn how to be truly helpful. Because once you open up, with humbleness and humility to serve the greater good of everyone and everything, then you get in touch with what that truly helpful really means. 
But until then, it just it seems to be a lot of little baby steps. So I know um, sometimes you read things in A Course in Miracles and um, and you just go, wow, I really wish I had a, a good example of this to help me really grasp this for myself. And there's one little section from the Course I thought I'd start off with today from the Manual for Teachers. It's the beginning of the development of trust section. First, they, meaning the teachers of God, the miracle workers, must go through what might be called a period of undoing. This need not be painful, but it usually is so experienced. It seems as if things are being taken away, and it is rarely understood initially that their lack of value is merely being recognized. How can lack of value be perceived unless the perceiver is in a position where he must see things in a different light? He is not yet at a point at which he can make the shift entirely internally. And so the plan will sometimes call for changes in what seem to be external circumstances. These changes are always helpful. Wow, there it is. That's the first, first step in uh, giving yourself over to Jesus. So, as usual, we put out a movie poll on a bunch of different uh, platforms and channels, and these are the themes that you voted for. And this is what happens. You vote for themes. I simply basically look at the number one theme and I pray to Jesus and I go, what have you got for me? <laughs> and today, Jesus really gave us a download. He gave us two songs, one song I'm going to play before the movie to kind of get you in the mood, to get you ready. <laughs> the warm-up band is going to be Kim Walker <laughs> to get you in the mood for Jesus. Then you're going to see a pretty intense movie. Uh, it's a movie of undoing the self-concept and opening your heart up in a big-time way. So if you think you missed that step, you don't have to repeat it yourself. The movie will do it for you. And then I'm going to have another great singer, uh, Lauren Daigle, uh, close with, with a uh, song that will touch your heart. And if your heart isn't completely wide open, it will be after the second song. <laughs> and then we'll take our break for 10 minutes, and I'll come back for Q&A and, and, and sharings and expressions. So here are the, the themes that you voted for. Coming in, number one, strengthen my inner connection with the Spirit. 63 votes. Watch out. If you, I tell you, this movie, this movie will strengthen your connection with, with the Spirit. <laughs> no doubt. <laughs> I don't think you could avoid it with this movie. This movie is so expressive and so helpful that all you have to do is just sit back and let your heart open up uh, gradually as, as the movie moves along. Coming in number two, this one's a big ask. Forgive all personalities and see only spirit. Woo! 
<laughs> That's a big one. Forgive all personalities and see only spirit. Woo! You're calling on the vision of Christ for that one. That's a big one. You put that number two. Watch out. Jesus is going to throw a classic at you. You don't throw that kind of theme at Jesus and expect to get away with it. He's going to make sure you really are forgiving all personalities and see only spirit. Number three, discover my part in God's plan for awakening. Yay! Discover my part. I want that part. Give it to me, Jesus. Hand it out. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll do it. I say yes. I say yes. I say yes. Accept the collaborations that are right in front of me. Look around at your mighty companions today. We are the collaborations that are right in front of you. <laughs> and again, it's a it's a classic movie, so it can't get any simpler than that, except the collaborations that are right in front of me. And finally, very important, feeling safe to release unconscious emotions. Feeling safe to release unconscious emotions. Wow. If that's your number five, you're asking for a classic. <laughs> you're, you're calling on Jesus big time today, and he is going to deliver big time. <laughs> uh, I remember when I was going through my awakening experiences, I, I was able to come in contact with a number of Course in Miracles teachers and meet them and spend some time with them. and. Um, one of the early ones back in the 1980s was a was a Sikh man from India named Tara Singh. And I went and I met Tara Singh and uh, he had a very funny saying. He said, uh, no one goes near a true teacher. Jesus could hardly find 12. <laughs> No one goes near a good <laughs> And I always laugh. Jesus, Jesus could hardly get 12. <laughs> and he was one of the early Course in Miracles teacher, and he was very uncompromising. And in this movie, Socrates is very uncompromising. For people that are not on the spiritual journey, uh, Socrates is so uncompromising that that for them, Socrates could be a bit of a nightmare <laughs> if you're if you're attached to the world in many ways and you come near a, a non-compromising teacher. It's it seems more difficult, more challenging, because basically the teacher, if you're in a teacher-student relationship, the teacher won't really let you get away with anything. And and deep down, that's actually the prayer of the heart. You know, please come close to me and please show me where I'm clinging to the ego. Show me where I'm clinging, clinging to the world. But most people, they, they like more of a gentle pathway. So most people do are not part of ashrams uh, or not part of spiritual communities because there's a little bit too much reflecting going on and the reflections are a bit too intense for the ego. Uh, but in this case, you can sit there in the comfort of your home on your comfortable chair or couch and get to watch it in action. 
uh, because this this Socrates is not is not going to uh, wishy-wash. He's not going to wash over things. He's not going to avoid things. It's just a very direct pathway to God. It's very much like that that first paragraph I read in Development of Trust. It will seem as if things are being taken away from you, but because you're not entirely ready to make the shift internally, it will seem to be external circumstances that will help you along. Most people would say, hey, that, those are some pretty extreme external circumstances, but but remember, all things work together for good. There are no extreme circumstances to Jesus. He just wants you to wake up and remember who you are, remember the Christ. And so this movie is some something that I've used probably for the last, yeah, decades since it came out. Um, I guess that's uh, probably over one and a half decades since this movie came out. And I've certainly been guided by Jesus to use this movie over and over. So the other thing is this movie gets at some themes about what is true service. You know, um, when you look back at, at the history of spirituality, you know, sometimes when we look back at, at spiritual awakening, we have people like Mother Teresa comes to mind whenever I think of service. You know, she had a very service-devoted ministry. And it's not so much what you do that's the service, but it's how attentive you are to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. That's what makes the service. The service is not what you do so much in form, but it's the motive or the purpose with which you do it. Uh, Jagita was writing to me, she has all this beautiful artwork that just pours through her so naturally. And we had a nice little discussion on Instagram today, but but this movie will help with that idea of letting yourself be done through. Giving your mind, giving your body over to the Holy Spirit and, and say, use me. And basically, there's a very famous line in the Bible that says, it's, it's not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Don't you love that? It is not I that live, but Christ that lives in me. So the, the purpose of service is not to serve people. Really, you're serving the Holy Spirit and Jesus with all service. Now, the ego will try to flip that around and say, service is sacrifice. <laughs> and uh, just like uh, Nazi Germany was called, they had the SS, the ego tries to put service and sacrifice together because the ego always keeps service at the timeline level and the per person level. And then the ego is always upset with service. And the ego is like, why am I serving and other people are not serving? Uh, or why are why am I serving more than they're serving? And, and it will try to use comparison and all kinds of tricks to really keep you away from service. But in the truest sense, like with Mother Teresa and many people, you can see they're good examples of they pray and they listen and they follow within. And that is the pathway of service. Pray to the Holy Spirit and Jesus, listen and follow. And, and that is what the service is. And as you serve the Christ, your flow of support is always going towards spirit. 
and going away from the timeline. Um, everyone's so big on loyalty, you know, being loyalty to family, loyalty to friends, loyalty to businesses and bosses, loyalty to uh, all kinds of horizontal things on the timeline. And what Jesus is really wanting us to learn is loyalty to the Holy Spirit. Stay loyal in your prayers to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Follow the Holy Spirit. If you're going to be loyal to one, why not be loyal to the Comforter, to the bridge back to eternity? Why not be loyal to the one who knows the way? Why not be loyal to the escape hatch from time and space? If you're going to be loyal, that's where to be loyal. <laughs> that's truly helpful. And as soon as our loyalty starts to go horizontal, then it gets tricky. Because then we find things like betrayal and rejection and abandonment come up. And, and then we start to get really uh, disoriented and we start to feel really sad and depressed because our loyalty is horizontal. It's to the flesh. Jesus said it in the Bible. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. He's saying, be born again in the spirit. Be born again in Christ. Be born again in the Holy Spirit's beautiful guidance for you in this moment. Guidance is always for the present moment. Guidance is always to take you into the holy instance where you can wake up in the present moment. Guidance is never to take you back to the past or to take your mind into the future. That's the ego that focuses on the past and the future. So this movie is really good for answering the question, what is true service? It's also good for answering the question, what is true strength? We have a movie about a group of athletes an athlete and a group of athletes, and physically they are very fit. They are strong, they are muscular, and in the world's definition, which is the ego's definition of strength in the body, they are excelling. They are some of the top athletes uh, in the country of the United States, top athletes in the world. But we have to have everything in our mind retranslated by the Holy Spirit. We do need our definitions of service to be retranslated by the Holy Spirit into true service. We have to let our definitions of strength be retranslated into true strength. True strength is your faith and your devotion to the light of love. That's where your strength comes from. Identifying with love is strength. Identifying with light is strength. And that's a fact. And yet, for the human being who's just beginning to develop faith and let go of the persona, let go of the mask of personality, uh, it's going to be a lot of, of temptations and challenges because the ego will always try to keep it horizontal and keep it physical. And the Holy Spirit and Jesus are always trying to bring it vertical and bring it off the timeline back into the mind and in deeper still toward the light, to, to go toward identifying to the light. 
Um, another question this movie answers is, where does one find true strength? Many of us have looked for strength in money. Maybe we've looked for strength in possessions. We've looked for strength in physical skills and attributes. We've looked for strength by strengthening our body. Uh, I certainly went through that. I, I would watch my calories. I would exercise regularly. I would try to eat always nutritious foods and watch out for polyunsaturated fats and read <laughs> read the labels on food and all that. I mean, I did all that too. And then at some point, Jesus said, you know, you still are looking for health in some place other than your mind and the Holy Spirit. You still are looking for security and safety in terms of the body and the world. And you still are looking for strength in terms of the body. Yeah, there were times in the parable of David where I actually belonged to a gym and yep, I would go hit the repetitions, a little bit of weightlifting and a little time on the uh, running, walking, biking, going through physical exercise. And Jesus comes into the course and he says, all health is of the mind and all health is relinquishing all attempts to use the body lovelessly. We think that there's certain things in this world that seem very natural that we can use the body for. Competition, sex, uh, trying to be the best, be the best that we can be as a human being. And uh, this movie will go after all those things. We have uh, a group of athletes in this movie that including Dan Millman that are that are basically Olympic hopefuls. They are that they are that skilled of athletes. They are Olympic hopefuls. And of course, anyone knows that the Olympics are all about re representing your country to try to win the gold medal and be the best athlete in your particular sport. Uh, the best athlete in the world. And they're held once every four years. And if you win the, the top prize, you get a gold medal. Second prize, second place is silver. Third place is bronze. This is all ridiculous to Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus and the Holy Spirit know the whole world is a world of an illusions and that there is no better or worse illusions. There is no better or worse anything in this world. There aren't better or worse persons. There aren't better or worse uh, occupations. There aren't better or worse skills. And this whole world is a world of projection based on the ego's belief in separation and competition. So what a great movie to have watch an athlete uh, we'll say a mind that's identified as an athlete, a quite a good athlete actually, and go through a spiritual awakening through dismantling the self-concept of that self-concept of being an athlete. This athlete is a, it's a good teaching device, just like I sometimes show movies like Marilyn Monroe's story, because she seemed to have it all in terms of the world, and she was very depressed at the end of her life, and she committed suicide by overdosing on uh, pills. And basically, 
this movie is really good because unlike the Marilyn Monroe story, where you just had me giving the Jesus commentary all the way through, we actually are going to see some characters like Socrates who are going to be part of a direct dismantling of the self-concept, of pride, of competition, of comparison, uh, all the things that seem important to the world and to the ego actually have no importance in spiritual awakening whatsoever. The Holy Spirit and Jesus can use the symbols and use all the symbols of the world because they're just neutral. But actually when we get into things like pride and competition and comparison, those are egoic beliefs that have to be undone. And most of us are used to serving other people, serving a company, serving children, serving uh, our country. Um, but Jesus is going to start to show us through this movie that that is the concept of service is greatly misplaced because it, those are all ego definitions. And true service is coming to listen and follow in the present moment and be a conduit for Jesus, a conduit for the Holy Spirit to let the Holy Spirit smile through your puppet, laugh through your puppet, hug through your puppet, bring words of care and comfort uh, through the puppet. <laughs> you know, we have a purpose for this puppet, and this puppet is simply to be used by the Spirit to bring a blessing to everything and everyone that we meet or we even think of. And that's how deep the, the spiritual journey goes. So I do see that um, we have some comments and questions that have been sent in. So I'll use this time here to, to go over those. First of all, we have Gisela from Lima, Peru. And Gisela writes, thank you so much for such a wonderful movie. It was a total answer to my prayer, exclamation. I have a question not totally related to the movie. How come ACIM is accepting of Christianity, but Christianity not accepting of ACIM? <laughs> Thank you, Gisela. That's the first time I've heard that question in 35 years. <laughs> well, actually, um, in traveling around the world and meeting with people, Christians, non-Christians, Course in Miracles, devotees, um, um, yeah, the, there's always going to seem to be in form of acceptance or resistance to certain ideas. And I think it's best to think of when we open ourselves to the Holy Spirit and Jesus, that the Holy Spirit and Jesus are teaching us that this is a world of ideas and that our mind is filled with many ideas and Two of the ideas that our mind is filled with is ACIM and Christianity. <laughs> we have to 
empty our mind of those two too, because because they're both still part of uh, theologies. Um, in a course in miracles, Jesus says that even even a course in miracles is a theology, and in the end, you have to go beyond theology. You have to forget this world, forget this course. He says. <laughs> as well, and come with open arms unto your God, meaning we have to become so certain of the light in our mind that we completely let go of all of our thoughts of everyone in the world. So it's kind of interesting because um, having been raised in Christianity, I guess maybe you were too, Giselle, so was I, and then when I started studying the course, I occasionally would, I actually had a, a very fundamentalist Christian girlfriend when the course first came to me. <laughs> and, and my girlfriend was kind of like, <laughs> get that book away from me, uh, which was all part of my forgiveness lessons uh, of of letting go of everything that I believed in this world. and. And even when some people have portrayed A Course in Miracles as, as a correction for Christianity, uh, people take offense with that too. They don't like to have their theology corrected by anything or anyone else. <laughs> in fact, if Jesus himself appeared, they probably and, and said, well, these things you can forgive or let go of in the Bible, they might they might crucify him again <laughs> if, he, if he told them to let go of certain things. But in the end, I think what we come to is a realization that, that the correction that we're being pointed to is in our mind, and that even spiritual groups or religious groups called Christians or Course in Miracles devotees, Buddhists, Hindus, that even all of that is still part of our fragmented perception. And what Jesus really wants us to do is see the Christ in everyone. That was the whole point of Christianity, is see the Christ in all your brothers and sisters. Go beyond the body, and Jesus tells us in the Course, forgive, forgive the body and the mind of your brothers and your sisters. Overlook the body and the mind, and, and behold the spirit of the one God, uh, which is pure love. So I do feel that the Holy Spirit can use all the symbols of the world, and um, I have actually, believe it or not, I've actually been invited to quite a few Christian churches in my travel around the world, and when I go up and speak in front of a Christian uh, church and congregation, I just let the Holy Spirit and Jesus put the words in my mouth, and it comes through and in a beautiful way, and the people all are very happy and joyful, and there's lots of hugs and, and laughter and joy. And for me, the lesson was, please, Jesus, go before me so that I may be inspired put the words in my mouth that I will bring love and connection, uh, that I will bring a feeling of closeness to everyone 
who who hears the words. And uh, so that means individually, every person I would meet or even group or church or uh, ashram I would go to or synagogue I would go to. I went to a lot of different places in 44 countries and the lesson was always my own lesson. I will step back and let him lead the way. I, I want you to inspire joy in my heart and in everyone's heart. And, and that is, I think, where this is all heading. So um, in general, I have met some Christians that were a little bit uh, resistant to A Course in Miracles, but I've actually, believe it or not, met Course in Miracles and students and teachers that are quite resistant to Christianity. <laughs> it's, I've seen it both ways. Uh, which I think is just holding on to something from the past and and still trying to see something that's not there. Because Jesus is really teaching us that the differences are not really real and the connection of spirit and love is real. And that's what he wants us to experience. He wants us to demonstrate that love is real in every situation and circumstance that we come upon. So thank you for writing that in. I think that's very relevant. That was a very relevant question <laughs> for all of us. The first time I've heard it in that way too, in all these years, so thank you. <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, and then we have Darren Reed from California. Darren writes, thanks David and team for this amazing heart opening movie. This was a definite classic movie, <laughs> for sure. I had a question regarding some of the recent lessons, even though I think I understand, but it might be helpful to hear you say a few words. The Course talks about two things frequently. One is about vision, and the other is about emptying your mind. My understanding is that with vision, that is still an image, but one that helps move you away from wrong-minded images, whereas emptying your mind is about just clearing everything. I feel like both of these are helpful to practice, maybe one as a correction and the other to come to God. Can you say a few words about both of these, especially when we're quiet in prayer and meditation? Love you so much. Yeah. Well, that is true, Darren, that we are right on those workbook lessons. Uh, I am determined to see, I am determined to see things differently. And that is clearly pointing to what Jesus refers to as vision. And I think from what you wrote, the understanding is that it's a little bit reversed in the sense that when we're called to empty our minds of everything we think we think and think we know, that is the process that most all mystics and saints have encouraged, is emptying the mind. Buddha, encouraged it, and Ramana Maharshi, and 
all the way up to the modern uh, saints of Muji. And this is what Jesus is encouraging us to do in A Course in Miracles. But I think emptying the mind is part of the seeming process of letting go of judgment, of starting to realize not that we should not judge, but we cannot judge that all the judgments have no meaning. And when we try to judge, then we, we put a false meaning on our identity, and then we, we uh, restrict our, our awareness of the truth by, by the judgments. But actually the vision that Jesus is referring to when he says, I am determined to see, and I am determined to see things differently, that vision is actually the vision of Christ, which is not perceptual at all. It's, it's just pure light. So it's the, oftentimes he will capitalize vision uh, in A Course in Miracles, indicating that it comes from the light, from the Holy Spirit. And this vision is very synonymous in A Course in Miracles to Revelation, uh, which is he talks about in chapter one, and it's also synonymous what, what he calls the Great Rays, capital G, capital R. The Great Rays and vision and revelation are all the same, in the sense that Revelation's more like a little glimpse, a temporary glimpse of something that is literally uh, pure light and that goes on forever and ever and ever. So, so I would say the emptying of the mind is the process of forgiveness, of learning to not hide and protect any concepts from the light of the Holy Spirit. That's the, the process. And then the vision is actually transcends the body's eyes and transcends the five senses entirely. Uh, and that vision is actually abstract light. It's not specific at all. So it's it's not like it's a replacement for anything. It's just what is. <laughs> like Byron Katie says, love what is. Vision is is what is. Uh, but it's not, it doesn't involve the body's eyes uh, or the five senses at all. So when I've had revelatory experiences, you know, they were, what can I say? It just felt like the biggest aha moments, like, aha, <laughs> uh, in the sense that there wasn't any perception involved in it. So that that gave me like a direct glimpse of the vision that is naturally what's real, <laughs> like this abstract light. So I think, yeah, we do go through the darkness to the light, and we do see that in the end what the Bible said, perfect love casts out fear. That means that perfect love is light, and in that light there is no darkness. I even have heard uh, some teachers define love as the absence of fear, and Jesus says in A Course in Miracles, you can never really truly explain uh, the truth, and you never can explain anything from involving the negative. So, so Jesus is not fond of negative definitions, the absence of fear. He's like, come on, don't, don't stop there. <laughs> if that's as far as you're going to go, uh, 
you know, love is without an opposite. So love is more than the absence of fear. Love doesn't even have an opposite. <laughs> and, and even when we try to define it, you know, it, the angels really laugh when we try to define love. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the biggest joke. Oh my God, <laughs> they're trying to define love. <laughs> they, they laugh so hard whenever we try that. So thank you, Darren. Okay, and we have Wesley. Wesley writes, hi, David, exclamation. I have a question about will. In our Unwind Your Mind session, you shared with me the idea of willing something to be. It's been on my mind since. Since then, I, I've seen Amanda write about it as you suggested. Since then, I do feel like there has been a release of resistance in opening to the metaphysics of the Course in some way. We read this morning the section Judgment and the Authority Problem. And in the last paragraph, it says the following. Free will must lead to freedom. Judgment always imprisons because it separates segments of reality by the unstable scales of desire. Wishes are not facts. To wish is to imply that willing is not sufficient. Yet no one in his right mind believes that what is wished is as real as what is willed. Instead of seek ye first the kingdom of heaven, say, will ye first the kingdom of heaven. And you have said, I know what I am, and I accept my own inheritance. It seems like I am still associating will in my mind with some sort of form outcome. I also have a question come up in my mind as to how will relates to desire. It seems like willing something is a verb. Could you clarify how all of this works in, in a practical way? Muchas gracias. Your, your Spanish is growing with, with Angie's help. Muchas gracias. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think when we come to the, the idea of will, we can see that that will is, is beyond something that we apply simply to, to an outcome of the world, because that's, that's how most people associate it, like, can you come to my birthday party? I will be there. <laughs> you see, I will bring my body to the birthday party. And when it's associated with outcomes, it's really not the will of God, because the will of God is beyond form. God does not form. So, so will doesn't really apply to to form. 
the closest thing that applies to the sleeping mind, and Jesus emphasizes this many times, is, is what he calls, you need to have a little willingness. You see, there's the will word, a little willingness. So he's asking us to practice with our little willingness every time we have a doubt thought to call on the miracle. Just to have a little willingness to be wrong about what we think we interpret and to be willing to be shown anew. Like in the movie when uh, Socrates was saying, you, you think you know something, but you don't know anything. And, and yet you can be shown. Uh, but even on the walk uh, up the hill, when uh, Dan's like, when are we going to get there? You know, it's, it's a long time and it's it's been hours and everything. And so finally, Socrates just says, oh, it's now. We're here. And then he said, what? What is it? The view? No, it's, a, it's the rock. The rock, you see. And then at the end, Socrates picks up the rock and he said, I never know what I'm going to find. You see, he's still telling us that while we're in perception, the joy is the, the moment, the present moment. It's the moment of the journey. And, and the best thing we can do with perception is say, I do not know what anything is for. <laughs> I think that's lesson number three. He wants us to, that's not a preliminary lesson. In terms of form, he wants us to stay <laughs> with lesson number three. I do not know what anything is for. Be willing to not know about this world. That's what he's asking us to do. But when he talks about will, he says little willingness, little willingness, little willingness. And then I think there's one point in A Course in Miracles where Jesus says, it takes great willingness to understand that all things you know are are working together that all things past present and to come are all working together for your good in in one sense he's he's basically saying you know it takes really great willingness to achieve a state of mind that realizes that all things work together for good He's not talking little willingness there. He's talking, he says great willingness for the first time in the book. So you know he's talking about something else. When he says great willingness, after all those little willingnesses, now he's talking great willingness. So he's talking about the atonement. <laughs> he's, he's talking about accepting the correction. Now, in heaven, um, God willed Christ into existence into being. So this, you might say willing, free will is a part of heavenly creation. It's, it's a part of spiritual creation. But in the passage that you quoted, you know, where he said, instead of saying, seek first the kingdom of heaven, he's saying, put will in there, will first the kingdom of heaven. He's basically encouraging us to start to tap into our willpower. Uh, anybody remember the song, Wesley, this goes back a lot of years, Gary Puckett and the Union Gap? Do you remember heard of that then before? Baby, 
willpower. It's now or never. Give your love to me and I'll shower your heart with tenderness endlessly. Woo! Gary Puckett and the Union Gap singing about willpower. It's now or never. Give your love to me. Whoa, that's big stuff. And that's what he's he's asking us to do. He's asking us to tap into the power of our mind, the power of God, and will the kingdom of heaven. Will it. Use the power of your mind and the power of will. Will it for everyone. Will it for everyone without exception. There's nothing that can withstand the will of God. So he's saying, as far as your identity comes, will yourself into the kingdom. Just put everything you've got, your whole heart, into wanting to know God. I saw recently uh, uh, Nana posted, I know you see those videos of Nana on uh, Instagram, where she posted a beautiful video where she was just like kind of getting more intoxicated with, with the idea that she wanted to give her whole mind over to God. She was seeing the, the benefits of giving, giving it over, and she just wanted to give her whole mind back to God. And that's another way of saying, I would know your will. I want to have no will apart from you. So there's a lot of power in that word. And I think to the extent that you can release the associations with form, you know, like, I I will that that Angie and I have a different place to live or that I will something about our puppy dog, you know, any of the will things in form, you just want to put those on the altar and say, uh, I want to know you, God. I want I want to pray for the greatest good of all. And I want to put that ahead of uh, higher than all specifics, all my little specific prayers. I gather them up like little twigs <laughs> and I burn them in the fire because <laughs> my heart burns for you. And that's what I want. So thank you, Wesley. That's beautiful. That's that's beautiful. That's touching on the power of, of our willpower. And if any of you want to listen to that song, Gary Puckett and Union Gap, that's a powerful song. I always that stays in my heart. After many years. <laughs> okay. Diana Rodriguez. Diana writes, Thank you very, very much, David, for this day, exclamation, for all the answers to all the questions. Since last week, I experienced an immense miracle from the workshop. As I was watching the movie, I realized that I was not there where you were inviting us. I was not experiencing all the great things you were describing about love. But I turned it into a prayer. I let out all the darkness that was clouding my getting there, and I asked to be there to feel that way, to experience that true love. And so it was, as if by magic, that certainly uncertainty 
unfolded by itself throughout the week until I felt there, really felt immersed in unconditional love. It happened by itself. Today, that is my prayer too, to return to the truth, to be able to let go of everything that still distracts my mind from the present moment and from the union with truth. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, thank you, Diana. There it is, that's, that's showing the power of decision is our own, that, that when we just decide, uh, when we decide to make it so, when we decide, yes, this, this is my decision and, and I will make this decision for myself and for everyone, we start to open up to the vastness of our mind and we start to realize we are all connected. And when one decides for love, then everyone benefits from the decision because it's a perceptual problem. So if I pray to see truly, then that transfers immediately to everything and everyone. And if I desire to know God, then that is the prayer for the whole universe, that we are not isolated beings. We are we are doing this all together. We are all connected. Yeah. But thank you. Up, oh, Victoria. Victoria Leon from Mexico City writes, Hi, David! Exclamation. My heart is beating so fast, and I'm writing to you for the first time in this movie sessions, even though I've been following you for maybe a couple of years. I'm so grateful for this movie. I remember have seen it like two years ago, and I can see all the miracles that Jesus has been orchestrating for me since then. My prayer is to keep just giving the little steps he sends me to free my mind and remember who I really am. Wow. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Victoria. We all feel that prayer. <laughs> That's all we're doing is we're just taking our baby steps every day. Whatever he gives us in the moment, we just rejoice and accept. And we rejoice and accept. <laughs> That's all we can do. That's all we can do. Well, thank you all so much. What a beautiful day we've shared. So many miracles, so many insights, and uh, such a, a powerful trust and faith that grows in our heart. And uh, wow, we got to say thank you to Dan Millman. Uh, I mean, that's some pretty intense uh, stuff that he went through, and and to first write a book about it, and then to consent to a movie being made. And what I like about the movie is at the beginning of the movie, it says, based on true events. Dan was not hiding. <laughs> he was giving us a real deep, transparent look into healing and healing in his own life. And uh, I'm so glad he did because uh, most of us, we don't really always get a Socrates appearing in our dream. <laughs> uh, but when when someone does, we all go, thank you. 
oh, thank you for helping me with the lessons. Because when we see how Dan had to interact with Socrates, we know that was for all of us. It was just showing all of us that we can let go of our fears. We can let go of all of our doubts and just join with God, accept the truth. So thank you all. Thank you for joining me in this. Another beautiful day and lots of love and miracles for everyone. And I'm with you all the way. Let's laugh our way all the way back to heaven. All right. Thank you. Love you. Thank you for listening to this edition of Awakening to True Happiness with modern-day mystic David Hoffmeister. You can access more of David's teachings by visiting his website at davidhoffmeister.com. Tune in to David again next week on Evolutionary Voices for the Quantum Age, heard Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. Eastern on the Dream Vision 7 radio network.